Hey everybody, I'm Nick, host of the Beer Got Me Here podcast. I'm here with Todd Hoffman, owner of Browerk Hoffman. He's joining me today on this beautiful day on location in Campbell's Bay, Quebec. So how are you doing today, Todd? I'm doing quite well, Nick. Well, I'm thankful that uh, you invited me over. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful spot in Campbell's Bay. Easy to miss on the highway, but you get there. You just have to look on the map. Yeah, we've had a number of people that have driven past it before, and they're even telling me, you should cut all those trees down so we can see you. But it's, I mean, it's the trees. We like to be surrounded by trees. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think the trees will be coming down. No, definitely keep them up. It's, it's, yeah. too, it's too nice. We need, we need more trees, not less. For sure, for sure. Tell me a little bit more about, about you and about the brewery. How did all this come about? Hmm. Well, it's been a long plan. Actually, to seriously think about starting a brewery, I think that started in about 2008. But before that, I've always had an appreciation of beer, to be sure. But in 2008 was when the plans first started. I had been a home brewer for a number of years. Uh, I already had brewed back in the 1980s, but back in the 1980s, it was just basically with malt extract kits. And I mean, I was in my early 20s then, so, you know, it was like a passing thing. And it wasn't really the beer that I was looking to get or really that anybody that was making it back then. I had such a really good appreciation for German-style ales and lagers because I'd backpacked across Europe several times in the 1980s was there at the military base in Lahr in the 80s and really fell in love with, uh, with the, German, the, the German lagers, the German ales. And when I got back to Canada, uh, I really missed them a lot. So then I sort of dabbled in homebrewing, like I said, in the 80s. But then I gave it up. But then I took homebrewing back up again in the early 2000s. And then, you know, I was doing all milk. So uh, with actually grinding my own malt, uh, you know, not playing around with extracts anymore. And I got into it more and more. And I think what really opened my eyes up, I had worked in construction and every year we'd always take a week off in July, go on our holidays. My wife and I, we used to do the Finger Lakes a lot, like in upstate New York and go to Vermont. And, you know, like 15 years ago, the scene down there is not like what it was here now. It was just like craft brewery, craft brewery, craft brewery. And I was home brewing a bit, but I didn't realize, you know, basically the nano scale or the micro scale of some of these systems. And I walked into some of these small craft breweries and I looked at it and thought, man, this is doable. I can do this. I mean, I'm already doing it, you know, doing five gallon batches on my stove at home. And I thought, you know, I, I can do this. This is going to be within my means. I can do this. And I think, though, it's like every home brewer, it's a big leap to go from doing it from your stove, even if it's a commercial small pilot system that's doing like, you know, three, four hundred liters. But I think that really clicked me on was around 2008, seeing all that. So it was a couple of years after I thought, OK, I'm going to seriously think about this. So, you know, I started... Uh, pricing systems out to procure them. Uh, I went down to the Siebel Institute in Chicago. I uh, took a couple brewing courses down there, took a brew appreciation course at Algonquin College back in 09. 
uh, online courses with Siebel and the World Brewing Academy. Went down to Chicago again in 2011, took another brew course, honing my skills. And uh, then I even got into the... Uh, the growing. I became a hop farmer. I was a hop farmer from 2011 to 2015. We had 300 acres of land about 10 kilometers north of Shawville in Clarenton and we started a hop uh, yard up there called Anglo-Prussian Hops. And uh, we had uh, about 300 crowns so we were growing four varieties of hops. We were growing um, Cascade, Northern Brewer, Willamette and uh, Centennial. And uh, the whole plan was originally to build that microbrewery right out there in the countryside on a knoll, looking over that hop yard. And I tell you, if you were to see that, if your listeners could visualize that, I mean, it was just like England. It was all nice rolling green fields. It had like hedgerows. It was really great. And I thought, this is going to be so wonderful, so nice having that brewery overlooking this hop yard. But Quebec being Quebec, which is overregulated, very bureaucratic, said I couldn't do that. And my argument was, well, why? And they said, well, it's agricultural land. I said, yeah, but I'm building a brewery. I'm making an agricultural product. Beer is one of the world's oldest agricultural products. It's 6,000 years old. They said, yes, we realize that, Mr. Hoffman, but in order to do this, you're transforming a product and we have to make sure that 50% of the materials going into your beer are yielded from this land. I said, okay, I thought, no problem. I said, beer, you know, it's like 80-some to 90% water. I said, I'm going to draw the water out of the ground here and the water's going to be used in my beer. They said, no, no, no. They said, that's not a produce. I said, well, I knew I couldn't use the hops because the hops are only about, even on a robust IPA, you know, and all your total weight of ingredients, that might only be like 1% if you're lucky. And surely I wasn't going to start growing barley malt and then malt, or barley and then malting it. So I was hit a dead end with them. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it out there, which was sad because I had traveled around and I seen these other countryside farm breweries like in New England. I thought this would have been great. So I sort of gave that up. So then uh, we had also another tract of land, nine and a half acres here in Campbell's Bay, which was zoned industrial. So we got permission to build the brewery here on this nine and a half acres. And what we did was then we've transformed some of that nine and a half acres to make it agriculture to put in a small like little hop yard and grow some uh, produce here, which we use in the restaurant. So we're, a lot of the food that we have in the restaurant here is uh, comes from our garden, which is biodynamic and organically grown. And then we procure other food locally. So basically, that's really a quick how this brewery started, you know, basically from like 2011, or sorry, 2008 to 2018. So that was the 10-year genesis of it. Never happened quick, but, you know, it was a lot of uh, planning, a lot of thinking and, and that. And uh, at that time, too, I was busy. I mean, I had a construction company, and uh, it was hard to have two businesses running parallel at the same time. But uh, 
was fortunate enough that we were approached to sell our construction company. And once we sold that in 2017, said, oh, I got a green light, open gate now that I can focus and get this brewery going. Because at that time I was 56, so too young to retire. And they always say, if you're going to get into business, get into business where um, it's your passion, it's your hobby, because you'll enjoy it every mm -hmm. day. And I have to say that there hasn't been one day that I haven't really enjoyed. It's like anything. There's setbacks now and again, but they're quite manageable setbacks to date. So, yeah, it's been going quite well. Great to hear. Yeah. And when you mentioned the Anglo-Prussian hops, the, um, the area in Clarendon, uh, it's, it's Clarendon, so they're in between Shovel and... Uh, where else is it in between? It's between Shawville and Ladysmith, and that's sort of the genesis of the name. The name has about three sort of, it's deriving from three things. So it's called uh, Anglo-Prussian, mm -hmm. because Shawville's a very Anglo town in Quebec. And Ladysmith is, of course, uh, German. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Germans that settled there were from the Prussian state within Germany. And so the hop yard was right in the middle of this Anglo town and this town of Prussian origin. So it was named Anglo-Prussian hops for that one reason. And also my uh, ancestors, majority of them came from Prussia and some of them came from England. So that's how we got Anglo-Prussian. Perfect location then to get uh, to correlate between the Anglophone and, and Prussian. Yeah. And it worked perfectly for you. Yeah, right dead center. That's awesome. I, you, uh, you answered my question. I was going to ask you if you had some heritage from the, uh, from the Prussian side. For sure, for sure. Both on my mom and dad's side. So my mom's side, yeah, they're all from uh, Pomerania, from the town of Ukamunda, which is within Prussia. And uh, my dad's side uh, is from Brandenburg, a little south of that, also within Prussia, from the town of uh, Grossdrivitz just near Gubin. So yeah, I've, I've been there several times. Quite beautiful, uh, right in uh, the old DDR, the old DDR in East Germany. Yeah. Okay. And is that why you kept with uh, the German theme? Yeah. Heritage? Yeah, I did. I kept with it for several reasons. One is um, cultural, like family background. Two, uh, as you know, there's a, an ethnic German community within the Pontiac mm -hmm. here, up by Ladysmith. And uh, also, um, I found uh, it's, it's getting to be more now, but a lot of microbreweries weren't really focusing a few years ago on the German-style ales and lagers. Now, it's changed. So that's I really wanted to focus on that. So that's why we kept with the German theme. So basically, familial... Uh, local history, and it's the style of beer that I enjoy. Okay, yeah, so do I. Yeah. I can't wait to sample some. Now, there's also a, another location on the Ontario side in Rockland, Ontario. Correct, yes, Rockland. So, the story on that, here in Campbell's Bay, I own Campbell's Bay uh, 100%, and I always wanted to get my foot in Ontario too, because here in the Pontiac, our market share, like within Pontiac County, is only 14,000 people. Very small, rural county. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, across the river, oh my goodness, like Renford County, you know, you're getting close to 100,000 people. So like right across the river from me 
is this market that I can't tap into <laughs> because, again, overregulation in Canada. I mean, is there really free trade within this country? Not really when it comes to alcohol products. So I thought, you know, it's sort of frustrating. You're sitting right on the border. There's this big market over there. There's people coming from Ontario over here buying the beer and say, when are you getting over to Ontario? When can I find you in the LCBO? When are you getting over there? I thought, okay, I'm going to Ontario too. But, I mean, I got my hands full here getting this brewery going, and it's pretty hard to be two places at once. But at the same time, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I want to get over there. So I can't do it alone. So, picked up a partner, a very, very, very good partner, quite fortunate. Another Pontiacer, just like myself, Eric Mainville. Met him a few years ago, and uh, it's been working quite well. Deepest respect for Eric. Eric helped me actually quite a bit, even though I was a home brewer for a number of years and, uh, you know, took courses in that. Like I said, it's a big leap from being a home brewer to do a commercial. And where I was doing online courses or like maybe week-long courses at Siebel or doing it myself on a stovetop, actually... Eric had the benefit of being a graduate from Niagara College and he's got his diploma from brewing there. Eric has a very scientific uh, background so it was good. Um, he's from just up the road from here on Alumet Island and he also worked in construction, a family business like me. His family were well drillers and you know, I, I met him through that way and he worked also on one of the hop farms up on Alumet Island and we just sort of conveniently bumped into each other and uh, Eric wanted to start a brewery as well and I said okay well I want to start a second one and so basically uh, that's Eric's baby over in Rockland and it's going quite well actually today is the first day that they get to open back up in Rockland the patios are open so Eric wanted to join us today but He's got his hands full over there today, but uh, it's going quite well in Rockland. Eric's a very good brewer. Well, I'm excited to meet him. So yeah. one of these days, uh, I, I've already called this the part A for for Hoffman, and part B will be in Rockland. Oh, great. Perfect. So definitely putting that on the list, and I'd, I'd like to meet Eric one day. Sure. Now, i got to ask about the location in Campbell's Bay, because you're in such a rural area, and... You know, I've always known growing up in, because I've gone to school in Campbell's Bay, Shovel grew up in Bristol, and everybody's been very keen on their, their macro brews. You go to the nearest dip and R and you get your, your Labatt, you get your 50, you get uh, your Canadian. So how are people taking to a microbrewery around here? Do you see, do you see a lot of locals coming here or do you see a lot of people from the outside? Because you're located significantly close to a lot of the cities around here about about an hour away from Pembroke a little over an hour to Ottawa and you have the Renfrew County which is not too far away 30 40 minutes away mm-hmm. so do you see a lot of people coming in from those cities here or do you see a lot of locals we're seeing more and more locals yes to be sure at first you're right uh, locals up here were stuck on the the macro beers for sure so we deliberately when we started with you know our original uh, five beers we gave them a name that was only this style name so our beer was labeled pilsner our hellas was labeled hellas our ipa was labeled ipa our schwartz beer was labeled schwartz beer 
or Hefeweizen was labeled Hefeweizen. We never gave it no flashy name, nothing like that. It was like it basically for educational purposes. Mm. So we were introducing each style of beer to its name. Uh, so the name, the fancy names, the fun names, all that stuff, it all came after with the subsequent beers. But when we started with the first five beers, we wanted to make it as educational as much as possible by just labeling the beer as to the style. And that's it. We kept our labels very plain, a certain color for each one, and just the style name. And surprisingly, being German-style lagers, like with the Helles and the Pilsner, uh, many people hadn't drank German-style Helles or Pilsner here before, and they were quite taken by it. Uh, a lot of people here thought when you're saying craft beer, you're thinking, okay, like it's hoppy or it's dark right. or it's very strong in uh, alcohol. And that, but you know, when they were drinking a you know nice half of ice and at four point six, or you know, like a Hellas at four point nine, you know, very low in bitterness, good clarity to it, you know, it uh, closer to the palate of the macro brews. So actually, uh, it was winning them over, and it's been going quite well in that regard. Oh, that's great! Yeah, and from and from the outsiders, like people coming in from the city. I don't know why I said outsiders. That sounds wrong to say, but no, but uh, yeah, like they're the seasonal people, the cottagers. Right. Yeah, and we get a lot of them. Like as you know, like we have a lot of lake and rivers up here. So, like we're cottage country up here, right? And like you say too, like you know, we're in the shadow of the national capital, so we get like a lot of day trippers up here. You mm -hmm. know, take the Sunday drive up, and that, or from whether it be from Ottawa or Pembroke, and yeah, like they're 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 used to more like you know the Ontario craft beer scene and that, and they're they're used to those IPAs, you know, or those Bach beers mm -hmm. or uh, the sours and that. So you know, once we stuck with a lot of the very um i'll call it like the neutral beers the the german lagers and then we opened it up to more of those other style of beers uh to uh the people um that were up here seasonally or the day trippers okay yeah that, that makes a lot of sense i know a lot of people who like to go out on weekends and just focus on breweries they like to brewery hop and they like to find the ones outside of the city that's it. That's it. Like a lot of people ask me, like, why did you start this brewery in Campbell's Bay? I mean, like Campbell's Bay is like 760 people, you know, in the last census, like 30 years ago, you know, in the census, it was like 1400 people. But, you know, you have this whole like rural urban shift and it's, you know, the population's been declining here. And, you know, the MRC has been having a tough go with it, with the demise of the forestry sector. Mm -hmm. And they're saying like, why did you start this brewery in Campbell's Bay? Like, why here? Like, there's nobody here. Well, believe me, if you're a beer geek, you're going to drive 100 kilometers. Yep. You know, and we've Absolutely. had no problem with that. We've had people come up here from Montreal. We've had people come here from Kingston. We've had people from Gananoque. We've had people Pembroke, Petawawa, Wakefield, Chelsea, uh, Kempville. Like, you'll drive. Oh, yeah. You'll drive. For sure. Yeah. 
It's worked out for uh, for Bozo and Van Cleek Hill. They're in the middle of nothing. Yeah. And they, they've been doing it for however many years now. Hmm. But, you know, there's nothing to say. I mean, I can understand with Campbell's Bay because it is declining, unfortunately. It was a lot busier when I came to school here, but this was a couple of decades ago. And it, it's unfortunate to see it kind of dying away a little bit because it is a beautiful town. The downtown area overlooking the water, it's such a shame that's all going to waste. So hopefully in the next 20, 30 years, and if uh, the brewery is still here, there's a bit you might see something growing again because I think a lot of people are focusing on trying to get into those country areas now. It is. You're right, Nick. It's turning around. With COVID, well, first of all, real estate's gone really crazy in Canada. But in the Pontiac, it's gone ridiculously crazy because people want to get out of the city. And, you know, there's abundance of homes here. There's abundance of land for sale. And a lot of people are moving up here. Like already the land transfers at the registry office that have been done already for the first six months of the year have surpassed the last two previous years. People are, so many people are moving up here because so many people are working from home now. So yeah, okay, let's get out of the city and let's move up to the Pontiac, but yet we're still close to the city that we can go visit our friends and family or we can go do our shopping there if we have to or, you know, whatever, whatever. So you're getting a lot of that. It's starting to turn around. Yes, we lost the forestry. Uh, It's pretty well, it's, uh, it's down. But you know what's really been growing in the Pontiac is agritourism. I mean, like, we have a couple wineries up here now. We have so many organic farms up here now. We have rafting companies up here now. Um, there's so wilderness companies up here now, outfitters up here. The uh, dog sledding, a couple dog sledders that were up here now. Like, 10 years ago, none of this was here. None of it. So we're becoming more and more a... Uh, tourist destination and i mean we're just one piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. you know so you know like you'll get some people say you know like i want to go to the brewery but they'll say well should we really drive like 80 kilometers just to go to the brewery but oh we'll go to the brewery because there's something else there so you know they're making a more complete trip so we get all these pieces together, and we're going to get more people here. So yeah, it's go it's going quite well that way. I, I think the I think the Pontiac's going to turn around for sure. It's it's starting to turn around. I think so for sure, and I hope to see it that way. It's it, I consider it my home. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice. And I guess it would be a good time to start now because if you're starting off small and you start working your way up a little bit because I'm sure you want to probably not expand too much more than what you have now, but you have this large acreage. So if things start, if tourism starts working its way up around here, well, that would be good news for you. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if we're going to expand on the brewery here anymore. Like when we started our brewery here in Campbell's Bay three years ago, we started with a very small system and like pretty well everybody that starts a brewery, you always underspect. You, you don't think the demand is going to be as great as it is. And I got a real education like four months after opening up in December 2018. I knew like this brewery is like way too small, so like we had to get double from uh, two more double fermenters in. So we have a total of five fermenters there now. 
but basically um, the footprint of the brew brew house building is a little too small to add more so I think any expansion that we'll do is going to be centered on Rockland and there again with Rockland we've already added to that brewery that brewery opened up in Rockland in October 2018 and we've already bought a couple more fermenters for there so we're up to uh, six fermenters in Rockland there now but yeah any uh, thing that we add on here won't be so much for the beer but it will be yes to draw more tourists so we do events here like we had like uh not last winter because of COVID, but the winter before, like we had like snowshoe races here. Oh, cool. We, yeah. Yeah. We had a five and 10K snowshoe race here. We're going to have a trail run this summer, a five and 10K trail run, uh, which is great. You know, we run all through the bush here. We have trails through here and we even run through creeks and that. So it's, it's challenging. It's challenging. And uh, we had some cross country skiing here. So. Yeah, like we're we're going to focus more on that to have venues here, mm-hmm. outdoorsy stuff, and that. So yeah, really looking forward to doing more of that. And what about uh, any local, or it's probably more in the city, more like Ottawa, like any of the beer fests that they have there, or Oktoberfest? Are you going to be involved in any of those coming when we can start doing those in the yeah, future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never really had the uh, the benefit because uh, we just basically started up, and once we started up, all this hit, and that. But yeah, once the festivals start back up, for sure. Yeah, like we'll have a tent there, we'll have a jockey box there. We'd be happy to go out there and uh, flog our beer for sure. Yeah, because it's fun. And uh, yeah, and you get to rub shoulders with, uh, uh, you know, your, your competitors and compatriots, you know. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to doing that for sure. Isn't there never really competitors though, eh? Like they, you call them competitors, but... Uh, yeah, friendly competition. Yeah, yeah, I would say friendly. But you know what? I worked in construction for 35 years and that's like... A, blood sport like that's <laughs> so i guess i still have that mentality but yeah it, it is refreshing to be in an industry you know where you can help each other and we've already right. did that we've worked you know with covid you know you're helping each other like you know you get one brewery you know oh geez todd i'm sure the cans uh, you got some cans you can spare yeah i got some cans i can spare not as many as you're wanting but yeah i know you know we're all in this together so yeah you know i'll sell you some cans or you know my pumps broke, my transfer pumps broke down uh can, are you using yours for this next day i said no so you know like you help each other right yeah because you know what it's like you know there's such a high demand for beer and you know you know, someday I might be in that situation. Right. You know, and I'm sure I will be because it's mechanical. Things break down, you know. Unless you have somebody on site who knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Some good mechanics. Yeah, well, we're not that big yet. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the locals, too. I'm sure anybody nearby, there's always somebody in these small towns that, that knows something really well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I, I broke there once. I don't know how the heck it happened, but it happened, you know, um, tightening up one of the fermenters there, eh? the weld cracked, eh? So, you know, I had to get a guy in here and there's just a guy who lives down the road, you know, came here, you know, within an hour, stainless steel, welded it up and there it was good to go Perfect. again. So, yeah, and that's the beauty about being in a small community, like, you know, like, 
who's down the road and I mean you can call him at home you know on a Sunday afternoon and he'll come and it was literally a Sunday afternoon and he came and <laughs> you know it's like oh geez like what's going to happen here you know but yeah it was great so it's good a small community that's the thing in a small community like you know what a lot of people really give you like the shirt off their back absolutely yeah, yeah the yeah. hospitality and, and the small towns great yeah so when it comes to your beer, you had mentioned, like as we were talking before, and you had mentioned that you like to incorporate history in a lot of in a lot of your beer. Mm-hmm. You want to touch a little bit on that uh, on the history because I know uh, 1989 would probably be a great example of of history because 1989 followed the Berlin Wall, East, East meets West, and that's part of what your IPA is. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I do have a, a real appreciation and love for history. Actually, I went as a mature student and got my BA honors in history from Carleton. So I'm very passionate about history. And the 1989 uh, hybrid IPA that we did, that was actually a collaboration between Eric and myself. Uh, the recipe formulation is Eric's and uh, it was all brewed here in Campbell's Bay. And uh you're absolutely right. 1989 is a year that I remember well. Well, first of all, 1989 was the year that Eric was born. So this has oh. got some significance. There we go. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I remember 89. I remember watching it when the wall fell down. And I was like, oh, I just want to get on a plane. And I want to go over there. And I want to get a sledgehammer. <laughs> and I want to get up there with those guys and just start smashing that sucker down. Because I remember going through it a few times. I had to go through the whole Checkpoint Charlie thing. And this and that and you could only stay 24 hours at a time and you could only stay within east berlin you couldn't leave the east berlin so i wanted to go on the countryside couldn't do that so yeah 89 is significant uh, you know the east meets west the wall comes down east and west berlin joined together and uh two beers west coast ipa and new england ipa and yeah it's taking the best of both and putting them together and i have to say that that beer is our number one selling beer once we get into the city so it's very well received in the city it's it's a very nice oh, beer. great stuff yeah and what else like what what else do you incorporate in history in oh your beer? quite a bit i try to bring in the history of uh the local German community that settled here. Uh, so we had a wave of German migration in the Ottawa Valley that lasted from basically 1856 to 1904. And those German immigrants came from Prussia and they settled in Renfrew County and they settled also in the Pontiac County up by the Ladysmith area. So I pay tribute to them in my beer. So like in the Pilsner, I have a little blurb on there, you know, like... Um, you know, the Pontiac was settled by, uh, you know, some German immigrants, you know, and, you know, this Pilsner's a very, um, a very simple plain beer, but it's, uh, you know, speaks to craftsmanship, small batches, you know, very humble, very honest, true, using no adjuncts, you know, keeping very minimalistic. Also with my Dunkelweiss, I, um, Talk about uh, the Germans that settled in Thorn, about how they cleared uh, stony ground and uh, cleared trees. And 
I also pay homage to the uh, families that came over by putting all the surnames on the label. Mm -hmm. You know, like Simmerling, Sakharais, Page, Schwartz, Erfel, you know, I put all those names on there, Steinke, uh, Milky, you know, paying tribute to them. I also, getting away from the German background of the Pontiac, my Royal Hunting Party, that name Royal Hunting Party comes from an actual hunting party from 1872 that was up north of Otter Lake where Prince Arthur, who was Queen Victoria's fourth son, went up there uh, basically to serve all the uh, lumber camps and the shanties. And uh, when he was up there, uh, they went on a hunting expedition and he hunted moose up there. So it was the royal hunting party. So that's why we made that style of beer in English pale ale. Okay. He was the English monarch. Well, he was our monarch, you know, yeah. part of the British Empire. Yeah. And uh, on your shirt, you have the uh, you have the silhouette of a bird, and I thought I yeah. saw that as well on the uh, the Anglo-Prussian hops website yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, that's sort the, of transferred over. Yeah, the Prussian eagle. So you know, it's oh, is the, that what that is? Okay, yeah, the Prussian eagle. So you know, like we have the maple leaf, and you know, so Germany, the the, the black eagle, the Prussian eagle, is a symbolic of uh, of Germany. Yeah. I didn't. I, I said bird because I wasn't sure if it was an eagle. Or I, I I assumed it was an eagle. I just didn't want to yeah. guess it. It might have been, but it it, it, it strikes eagle. Yeah, it's stylized, but it's got pretty aggressive talons, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's got uh, you know its beak there. It looks. I don't know if you'd want to mess with that. No, absolutely not. Well, I'd be excited to try some uh, try some samples of your beer uh, shortly. And we can talk about uh, each one, the ones that you care about the most. We can, we can test it out, sample it, flavor it, and I'd love to talk about it. Sure. That sounds great. All right. Okay. We are starting off with a flagship beer. Tell us a little bit about this one. Sure. So this is the North German Pilsner. So within the Pilsner, so there's like Czech Pilsners, German Pilsners, North German Pilsner. So this is a Pilsner, German lager. Chris, very clear, see clarity, see through it. Yeah. Mm. Very minimal beer. Hard to mask your mistakes. <laughs> so it's a tough. It's it's mm. you know what? It's 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 tough. Easy drinking. Yep, that's nice and crisp. Yeah. Pilsner for sure. Very easy drinking. I like this one. Yeah. So this beer, the Pilsner, and the next one we're gonna sample there, the Hellas. These beers did suit the local palate quite well. So that's why we started with these two beers mm -hmm. when we first opened up. It was the Pilsner and then the Hellas. So the Hellas Pale Lager, same thing. Even lower in bitterness than the Pilsner. A little bit less alcohol, 4.9. Hmm. It's got an interesting flavor to that one. It almost has like an, an almondy flavor at the end. You're getting a little bit of a nuttiness yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of that comes through from the uh, the specialty malt in it for sure. Okay. Yeah. Which I'm not going to say what it is. Oh, it's a secret. Okay. <laughs> and not going to reveal those secrets. I, I gotcha. <laughs> some things are an open book and other things aren't. Right. Yeah. You want to keep your recipes sometimes under wraps. So now this is the half of Eisen. Nice beer for a beer like today. Mm. Nice summery beer. Uh, refreshing. Um, 
Hypervisor and some people get like um, banana notes out of it. Some people get cloves. Some people even get like bubble gum. But uh, we find that ours is a little bit more, getting a little bit more of the clovey and banana. I get the banana. Yeah. I can I can tell where they're getting the bubble gum. It definitely tastes like your very generic, like hubba bubba. I guess <laughs> yeah. if, if you really think about it. Yeah. But the banana, like a good ripe, ripened banana, that's what it smells like. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And the and the flavor of it too. No hubba bubba in that one, but the banana for sure comes out. <laughs> yeah. Next one is it's an interesting beer. Um, it's a style of beer. It's almost a lost style or an obscure style of beer. And it's from the eastern part of Germany. It's called a Kottbusser uh, because it originates from the city of uh, Kutbus, which is in the very, very southeast of Germany. And for those that know, you know, a bit of the German uh, history of brewing, you know, they had the purity law, the beer purity law of 1516, you know, where beer only has to be like Four ingredients, you know, like which is water, malt, hops, and yeast. Well, this beer defies that brewing law by adding into it honey, molasses, and oats. Okay. So, yeah. So, it, that's why it's called like an outlier. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, actually, this beer, I actually, when I was home brewing like years ago, I had one of the books I had was... Uh, Radical Homebrewing, written by Randy Mosner. And I actually had the benefit of meeting him because when I went to the Siebel Institute on a course, he was one of the guest speakers. And, you know, he was talking all about, you know, it, it's fine, you know, when you brew, you, you need all these controls and, you know, you need to know your chemistry and you need to know this and you need to know that. But he said, you know what, sometimes you have to put that to the side a little bit. And you're also an artist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and a beer like this helps you to bring out some flair and this and that. So this beer, we're actually using local Pontiac honey from freshwater honey, which comes from Calumet Island. And we're using Pontiac hops, which comes from Hoblan Grand Calumet right across the river from us. So literally as the crow flies, it's like the honey and hops are about six kilometers from here. So yeah, and this is the first batch I did. So the next one, uh, I find the honey's not too bad in it, but I'm going to probably bump it up a little bit more that the honey comes through mm -hmm. more. So this is like a work in progress. Right. An artist. Yes. It's not quite complete, but it, it, it's coming along. It's coming along. I'm getting a little bit of the honey scent in that. That's very nice. So far, it's being well received. So you know, I'm, I'm brewing more of it there now again. Well, it's so. very it's very light. So people who want something not too bitter and something a little bit semi sweet, mm -hmm. that would work out for them, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It it sort of resembles in some ways like um, uh, well, I wouldn't go as far as saying, but. You're getting close to maybe sort of like a Belgium golden ale there. Mm -hmm. uh, you're getting, you can get some good head retention on it too, which comes from the oats. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit excited about that beer. I'm, 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 uh, just a few little modifications that I like to do with it, but uh, so far so good. Mm -hmm. So far so good. And that's like a, the beauty of having a small brew house because I can turn the beer over quick. 
And if I want to do modifications or changes, I can do them basically like a couple weeks after. I don't have to wait like, you know, a couple months to like clear out a bunch of beers. So it's nice to roll the beer over quick. So, you know, you can do adjustments if need be. Right. So I'm happy about that one so far. A few little touches to go with it. So now we're going to get a little bit more color here. So those beers were all, you know, we just tried like with the Pilsner and the Hellas, like a pale and a blonde and the, you know, the Kutbusser was like golden and the Hefeweizen, you know, you had a little bit of that cloudiness golden, but now we're getting into some of our beers that have, you know, some color to it here. So like we have here's the Maybach. So the Maybach is sort of like a super Hellas. It, it, it's a Hellas, but it's a lot more malt forward. Coming in at 6.6. And this will be the first time I think I've ever sampled or tried a Maybach at all, looking back. Okay. And that one too has a bit of a, a nutty flavor. Yeah. It's it's utilizing, like I said, it's a super Hellas. It's utilizing, for the most part, a lot of the malt that's in a Hellas. Uh, but the, the malt bill in it is greater to give it more alcohol. <laughs> and there's one other specialty malt in it. So basically the Maybach, it's a, it's a spring festival beer that they have in Bavaria. And uh, we always brew it uh, every every spring. We, we bring it out in May. And then it's a seasonal. Mm -hmm. So like once it's done, it's done. We probably won't be reintroducing it till late winter again. It has uh, a winter like a late winter feel to it yeah it's like getting out of because you associate stouts with uh with winter because it's a nice it's a nice beer to have in the winter time and it feels like it's drawing a little bit away from a stout kind of going into an ale mm -hmm. almost that's what it feels like when you drink it yeah 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 it's 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 definitely more robust more body than uh than for sure than the hellas or the pills you got it Then here's another new beer that we just brought out lately, which is the Alt beer, or Alt beer, which we call Einvok. Einvok meaning one people. And why we call it Einvok is because it's like a smash beer, which is a, an acronym for single malt and single hop. So even though it's got this copper color to it, there's only one malt in it. And I'll tell you what the malt is. This I don't mind sharing. This is a, a light Munich malt. So it's 100% light Munich malt. And it's only got one hop in it. And uh, that hop is a uh, Hollentauer. So yeah. It's very, very, very simple. Very simple beer. But it yet simple in the hop bill and simple in the malt bill. But it's yet it has some complexity to it. So it's a, a roast flavor to mm. it. And that's coming from all the uh, the uh, light Munich malt in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And that beer is um, basically very distinctive from the city of Dusseldorf. I'm definitely very eager to visit Germany someday. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm hearing all about the history and... 
and about Germany as you bring it up. It's making me very excited for a European tour heading up Germany. That'd be so much fun. Oh, One yeah. of these days. Very, very, very nice. Well, so much history, so much beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Here we have uh, our Berliner Weiss, our Berliner Weiss style. Uh, we call it Berliner Weiss style. We just don't call it Berliner Weiss because they're very proud in Berlin of their Berliner Weiss. Mm-hmm. So if it's not made in Berlin, you call it Berliner Weiss style. Because we're not authentic, but we try our best. So It almost sounds like the same way as how you call champagne. You can't call it champagne unless it was made in champagne. Yeah. That sounds like the same idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. And you know, you got to respect that. Right. You know, it, it, you know, it originated from there. They're proud of it. So, you know, so that's what we call it Berliner by style. So this is our... Uh, Raspberry sour because in Berlin, you know, if you get the vise, you know, they're, they're going to add either woodroof syrup to it or, you know, raspberry to it. So we've elected to put raspberry in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it gives it that nice rose hue. Yeah, it's like a semi, semi cloudy look to it, a little rosy. Yeah, 3% tart. Mm. It is quite tart, but it is a sour. Uh, refreshing. It is nice. Yeah. See, when I drink things like these, because now that we've had all these different types so far, there's always an argument that there's some people that when they drink beer, well, when they try beer, not a lot of people drink beer. They'll go for wine. They'll go for uh, liquor. But when they think of beer, they think, well, I don't like it. Because the ones that I've tried, I've just never liked it. But they've probably tried so many different types. They probably really only had the the macro brews, which maybe taste all the same to them, and they just don't like the bitterness to it. Do you believe that there is a beer for everybody? I believe so. There are so many styles. I mean, oh my goodness. I guess I would hope that I could live long enough. I don't think I will. I'm 59 years old. But I would hope (laughs) Years and years left, 59 (laughs) years old. (laughs) Well, I tell you, when I'm there pulling hoses and putting fermenters together and lifting kegs, I think, <laughs> I think sometimes I'm not long for this world. But anyways, um, I hope to at least get to brew as many styles as I can. And being so many different styles of beer, there is a beer out there for everybody. I do believe that. Yeah, I believe so too. I, I would love to brew every style that there could be out there. And I know I can't do it, so that tells me that it's so diverse that there's as many diverse beers out there as, as there is as a diversity of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a beer for everybody. Because I, I'll talk to people who say, oh, I just don't like beer. and But they haven't tried every different type. And the last one that I just tried... It, it, it doesn't taste like the first three that we've tried. Mm. It, it, it tastes like something completely different. And if you don't get that same bitterness, people might like the tart. Because if they go for whatever kind of coolers out there, like it's sugary, it could have a tart flavor. So if people like coolers, they might like this kind of beer. 
So I might try to make it my mission with this podcast moving forward to, for people who don't like beer, they have to find one that they do like. Yeah, well, that's good. It is, that is. It's good because uh, it sort of makes people to go out and explore more. And uh, yeah, for sure. And it's, and it's supporting the small breweries that are out there because that's where you're going to find it. You're not going to find it in the macros. You're going to find it with uh, the artisans of beer. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. For sure. That would be nice. I'll make it my mission. <laughs> well, now we have our Schwartz beer, which is a black lager. A lot of people will come and say, oh, do you have a porter or a stout? And I'll say, no, I have a Schwartz beer. Not. But it's completely different than a porter and a stout. A porter and a stout, they're ales. This is a lager. I mean, then, you know, a bit thinner in the body, mm-hmm. but more crisper, you know? Different fermentation. But yeah, you pick up different notes in this for sure. I'm getting a tiny bit of caramel. Yeah, there is. There's some caramel in there. There's some roastiness too. There's a bit of uh, cocoa, a little bit of sort of coffeeness to it. Yeah, the coffee I can taste. Yeah, if you if you gave this to me, I would have assumed it was a, a porter or a stout. More more along the lines of a porter because yeah. of the the coffee aftertaste. Yeah. Well, our whole sensory, you know, like you know, our first thing with sensory is you know the vision is the sight of it. So when you're looking, you know, at the black color, the first thing you're thinking is, well, okay, that's got to be a porter or a stout. But you know, when you put it up to the light, you realize, okay, it doesn't have like the body or the you know the I I would call it the thickness mm-hmm. of a porter or stout, you know. It, it's leaner in body, but crispier, you know? And it doesn't have the head of, like, a stout or a porter, because it, uh, it disappears quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And this is another beer that originated from uh, eastern Germany, too. So, like, Germany, like, a lot of people think, you know, Germany, you know, they think of Bavaria, you know, like, of your of your Hefeweizen, you know, and, and, and you know, your Hellas and that, but, you know, there's... We're hitting all of Germany here, you know, we're hitting like the Altbier, you know, from Dusseldorf, you know, we're hitting the, the Helles and the Half, you know, from Bavaria, we're hitting the Kutbusser, you know, down from like um, Upper Saxony, we're hitting, you know, the uh, the Schwarzbier, you know, like from Brandenburg, you know, so uh, quite a complexity, the Berliner Weiss from Berlin, so, you know, the very regionalized beers within one country. That's great. Focusing on on the country with all your beer. Yeah. A nice little tour. Yeah, yeah. Now how about the food? Because you also have food on location and you focus uh, on German food. Yeah, German inspired. By no means do we say we have authentic German cuisine. German inspired. Yeah, German inspired. So like we do uh, Flammkuchen here. So you know the Flammkuchen, it's like a, a flatbread with you know, quark cheese on it, and uh, yeah, it, it's great. And uh, we have, uh, you know, brats on a bun. Uh, we have currywurst. You know what we make here? We make our own sauerkraut here. We make our own pretzels here. Uh, we make uh, our pretzels using either the Dunkelwei, our Dunkelweiss beer in it, or our Weizenbach in it. Gives it a nice flavor, you know. So yeah, we uh, German-inspired food. So yeah, it's great. It's great. Oh, and here, 
is the 1989 that we were talking about earlier. So this is our hybrid IPA. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Ooh. Very floral, eh? Very, very floral. Yeah. Get nice citra hop in there. Well, I can see why people like that. Just the smell alone. So this one, this one's about 100% Eric's. This is, this is, uh, it's a collaboration between myself and Eric, but this recipe is 100% Eric's for sure. He nailed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he nailed it. Oh, yeah. Good job, Eric. <laughs> yeah. That's, of course, if he's listening to this episode, which I hope he is. That's very good. Yeah, that's our, uh, when we get to the urban areas, that's our number one selling beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's our number one. When we're out in the rural areas up here in the Pontiac, it's the Pilsner. Mm-hmm. But uh, once we get past Terry Fox, which for those that don't know, that's the boundary, Terry Fox Road, the boundary between basically rural and rural here in the Udaway. And uh, that's where you see the demographic switches, and so does the beer. Yeah. That makes sense, because everybody in the city likes their IPAs. Yeah. I might be one of them, but it's <laughs> yeah. just the hoppy flavor. I, I, I often think, are people enjoying IPAs because everybody else likes them, or do they actually enjoy that hoppy, bitter flavor of an IPA? Mm. I can tell you for sure that I do. It's, it's just too good. Yeah. But I often wonder if others do. Right. So, I mean, write me an email if you actually do like IPAs or you're just following a trend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do enjoy it too. It's funny. You know what? Like 10, 15, 20 years ago, I was really big on IPAs, like to consume them. But I find, and it's not just me. I've talked to other people my age, mid-50s, early 60s, and they were the same as me. As you get older find that they're sedating a little too much so going back to the loggers more find uh i don't know if it's the hop load in it or what but uh, uh i still have a really good appreciation of it but i find that uh one is enough for me yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i can go for a couple yeah absolutely but yeah there's a there's a time of the day for it yeah and with uh, with German brewing styles, is that do you focus on a, a specific German brewing style here? Is is there a rule to follow when it comes to making different styles here? No, like you mean a rule like uh, as with respect to the purity law? Yes. Um, no, no. Well, yeah, no. Yes and no. Most of the beers, yeah, we're doing just the uh, the four ingredients. Okay. Like we're not using adjuncts at all. You know, except like when we do the Berliner Weiss, of course, we're adding raspberries right. or that. But no, it's all like four basic ingredients, which is, you know, like your barley malt or your wheat malt and your, your water, your hops and your yeast. So, yeah, we're keeping it like that. No adjuncts at all. Okay. Yeah, no and, adjuncts. Oh, very yeah. cool. No right, rice, we have no the brewery, corn. We have the, the brewery behind me right now and it's pretty, it's, it looks really cool. I really like it. Well, I think that's all I have on my end. If there's any, if there's any more things that you'd like to talk about with your brewery, if there, if if we left anything out, no, 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 no. We just want to keep brewing for sure, and it's really good that things are starting to open up, and we're just going to keep doing more styles as much as we can. We have a couple new ones in the work that are fermenting right there now as we speak, and uh, always going to bring out new styles and. Uh, 
We're starting to get more creative with the labeling and the, the names of beer. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're keeping busy and uh, both sides of the river, Ontario and Quebec, for sure. That's uh, me over here in Quebec and Eric over in uh, Ontario. And uh, all we can say is uh, good days ahead there now. I think we're over the hump and uh, just want to keep going. Yeah, we're like a racehorse there. <laughs> we're in the gate, and we're just waiting for the gate to open, and I think it's opening up there now, so we'll be going down the track there very soon. That sounds good, and, and this is also, I don't know if you've mentioned it yet, but this is a family business, so you got some family working with you. We sure do. My family, actually, uh, my father, my grandfather, and great-grandfather, we were all family businesses, family entrepreneurs, so... At this business here, Browerwork Hoffman, there's myself, there's my wife who looks after the kitchen in the garden for the produce, uh, there's my youngest son, Abraham, who looks after the, all the uh, packaging and delivery, there's my sister-in-law, who's the main server, my great-niece, who's another server, uh, my daughter, Portia, who does all the social media, she does the artwork for all the labels, uh, my goodness, who else? There's Abe's girlfriend, who's the bartender. So, yeah, like we're we're a family business, hardcore family yep, business. Yeah, that's a true family business. Yeah, yeah. You have enough people here to run the entire show. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, like we have. There's a couple people in the kitchen that aren't family, but uh, but they are family. They're well, very they become good. your family. Yeah, they do. They do. Like, I mean, you're working here with them in the the day and the evening you know so yeah you know you're working in intimate settings in the kitchen and you know you get this rush time there and you all got to pull <laughs> together as a team and you know and sometimes there's there's some barking back and forth but you know at the end of the day it's like oh yeah okay well yeah we're all good now and you know so uh yeah so it's family it's like any family you know you got your ups and your downs but at the end you know you're working for a common goal eh Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. It's all good. That is fantastic here. Yeah. Todd, I appreciate your time and having me over and trying some beer and showing me around the brewery. It's a great place, beautiful location. And I'm happy it was such a sunny day because it called for rain, but it turned out to be a beautiful blue sky and it was just so nice to be out here. Come to my old roots, see the town again. Mm. And thank you again. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming, Nick. We're very honored and appreciate you making the drive up. That's very nice of you. If anybody wants to see the brewery, they're located 1298 Highway 148 in Campbell's Bay, Quebec. Thank you for listening. As well, you can help my podcast grow by sharing my podcast with family and friends and subscribe on whichever platform from where you're listening. Also, check out my Instagram at beergottmehere for beer photos and future beer reviews. We will see you in the next episode. Cheers.